We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Overwatch On Point. We are your hosts. I am Ask Joshi, and this is Lemon Kiwi. How are you doing this fine day? Good. Fantastic. Super excited for the new Kit Kat flavor. I'm not a fan of mint, but overall, that weekend was amazing. And you got to do some World of Warcraft stuff, right? Yeah, I actually had a pretty wild weekend. Uh, <laughs> never uh, really so imagined that I would be doing World of Warcraft classic productions, but I ended up somehow booking like a whole week of them and uh, got to host a, a cool event yesterday and interview some WoW players. But now we're back into the world of Overwatch. Overwatch On Point, um, of course, is our weekly podcast where we discuss different topics in and around the Overwatch League, mostly around, I would say, as uh, players tend to provide us lots of free entertainment, even when there's no Overwatch to be played. <laughs> and that's, you know, no different this week. Uh, this week, our topics include World Cup, Team USA was revealed, and, you know, various player gripes and grumbles, uh, congratulations, things like that. Uh, we'll discuss trash talk versus professionalism. You know, where where are those lines uh, for what players should and shouldn't say about things they don't necessarily have control over? Uh, and then playoffs, obviously. The Kit Kat rivalry weekend this past weekend did determine our playoffs for the entire season of Overwatch League 2019. And we'll end the discussion today with the schedule for next year. But first up, yeah, World Cup, Team USA revealed all their players. Do you want to just walk us through? Yeah. Sure. Go for it. All right. Well, you guys probably saw it all over Reddit and all over Twitter. So the final roster for Team USA is Super, Space, KSF, Sinatra, Corey, Moth, and Rockets. So I think mostly everyone was pretty happy about this. I think there were a few question marks, though. 
Oh, yeah. So the question marks, uh, obviously, you can't fit everybody on the team. They only ended up with seven. <laughs> um, so if someone's going to get left out in the cold, let's go just start with, let's say, the tank players. So the tank players, Super and Space on um, Shock and Valiant. Those guys, I think, I think people would expect them to be, you know, top two candidates. It may be mm-hmm. only top three, but do you feel like anyone else uh, should have been considered there? Or are you surprised that someone was left out? I think there's been some, I think, like I said, overall, everyone's happy. There was absolutely no argument about space, but Super, I think people were saying maybe Muma and maybe Fact Fiction as the main tanks, but Super is like an MVP candidate. And even all the casters over the Kit Kat rivalry weekend were saying how they most most likely think Super is going to take MVP of the year. Not only can he adapt but he's also been improving tremendously as one of the best main tanks in the league, hands down. So Muma, for the Houston Outlaws, you know, the whole team has been struggling along with him. And Muma was mostly known for his Winston and Ball. And we're not, we're not again, we're not sure what meta we're going into for BlizzCon. So it, it could be anything. But it seems like more of a shield meta where someone like Super or Fact Fiction would be better suited for. And... Yeah, kind of surprised. Like some people said Fact Fiction would have been great. And I think he brings a lot of leadership, a lot of veteranship. And overall, he's a consistent player. Um, and I th- I don't think we would have like seen. I think we still would have gotten a lot of success with Fact Fiction on that role. But Super was the one that the uh, coaches went for. And of course, hint, hint, Harsha was part of the <laughs> uh, coaching lineup for Team USA. So not pointing in any direction, but you know your players so much better. You know their weaknesses and you know their strengths so much better when you work with them that closely. So it's not a surprise Super was picked in that regard. Absolutely. And I mean, you said it yourself that we have MVP candidates here making the World Cup team. So that's across the entire league. You know, just having any Americans uh, up for MVP consideration should give them strong consideration for the actual World Cup squad. But uh, a lot of people, um, I see Lanfist in the chat right now. Um, Is there a topic about Dogman, Kappa? Actually, yes, we will be bringing up Dogman. Not quite yet. We still have uh, to get through the rest of this roster announcement. You're absolutely right, though. That's where the sort of trash talk versus professionalism topic uh, we'll get to that in just a moment so stick around with us here fifi and <laughs> we'll get to that but uh <laughs> next up uh moth and raucous i think are perhaps the most contentious of the uh selections raucous specifically being on a team that didn't you know really excel this season actually got eliminated from playoffs they finished uh, 16th overall i'm looking at the final standings here before playoffs begin and it's just how, how do you justify uh, picking a support player from a team that's in the bottom, you know, third of teams all season long when there are plenty of other, um, you know, USA candidates out there. And uh, mm-hmm. Dogman specifically did raise concern at this, but not particularly for himself or not specifically for himself. He did end up criticizing the uh, coaching staff, though, as a result of this one. Uh, yeah, so just to go over this whole thing, so we don't even have to, like, argue about main support because Moth was the only main support in the entire 12-man lineup, uh, so he didn't have to battle with anyone, so yeah, the controversy really came about, um, Sleepy versus Raucous. Dogman wasn't really as much brought up as a candidate in that regard, it was more like, why didn't Sleepy get picked? And Sleepy kind of got benched most of Stage 4, if not all of Stage 4, if I can remember, for Guido. And Guido's been performing a lot better. Sleepy maybe has a better zen 
but we're not in a Zen meta currently at the moment. Again, we don't know what will be down the road for BlizzCon. And Rockus, we can say he's a better Ana, but although the team hasn't performed, let's say Houston Outlaws haven't been having an outstanding stage, um, USA or America doesn't really have like a huge amount of good flex supports or at least like a good pool to choose from. Like all the best flex supports are Korean or anything else. So it's been kind of raucous or sleepy. And I think, again, we would have had success with either one. But we again, we didn't really get to see Team USA trials. We know it was super grueling and they've done a ton of work into not only what the player provides in the game, but also outside of the game, whether leadership, getting along with people uh, and whatever else, flexibility of hero pool. And because Sleepy hasn't had any time in stage four, maybe the guy's rusty again. I don't know how his tryouts went, but Rockus was the pick and... We're just going to have to go with that. Obviously, all the better choices are maybe Korean, but we have to pick from America. <laughs> Let's get some so. Koreans on this roster. Why not? No. Um, yeah. You're totally sure. right, though. Like, obviously, lots of good points there. Uh, the first being the fact that we didn't see the trials. Those were not public. They were not like, uh, you know, everybody in America gets a vote or anything like that. So um, you <laughs> that know, would be great. It could just be, you know, sleepy underperformed in tryouts or had communication issues. I really I again. I'm sure Sleepy's great in all these areas, but we literally weren't there to to judge for ourselves. So all we get to is the result. And in a lot of cases, even like award shows and anything where you have to narrow down a, a pool of a bunch of talented people, uh, someone's going to be unhappy with that result. And, you know, someone's going to have to... Well, not really justify it because what's done is done. Ruckus, I mean, he's going to be on the team at this point, you know, no matter who complains about it. But uh, the other point that you mentioned is um, intangibles. So things like communication, leadership, uh, roles and uh, abilities that these players might have beyond just landing a sleep dart or whatever it is. Uh, Ruckus <laughs> has been around for a very long time. He played other games before Overwatch. And he's a vocal player. He's a vocal player. <laughs> like there's lots of um, good boxes to check as well, uh, even if he didn't have the best season overall with his squad or anything like that. And maybe he even meshes better with some of these players uh, than maybe. he does his own <laughs> outlaw squad. We, we don't know. Um, so I'm, I'm perfectly happy to have uh, Rockus representing USA once again. And in the final category, the DPS category, uh, we end up with Corey, Sinatra, and KSF. KSF uh, being on the Washington Justice, who of course had an incredible uh, final stage of Overwatch League 2019. That could definitely have helped his stock recently. And if he is playing um, in a high level in the trials and things like that, I could totally see him landing on the squad. Sinatra, I think, is pretty much our Michael Jordan. Like, he's our slam dunk. He's going to be one of the top DPS players for a long, long time. He's on one of the best teams in the entire Overwatch League and still able to pump out insane stats. And um, uh, KSF and Corey, there's, you know, a little bit less proven, but still both uh, doing incredibly good right now. And did I misspeak and say... Did I say the wrong team a second ago? I know Corey is on Justice. Oh, KSF on Valiant yes. and Corey on Justice. Right. It's the K, the K part. Right. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> yeah, I got, I got swapped but, up there, but you understand. <laughs> the, yeah, I, I read your mind. I knew what gotcha. you were trying to say. Uh, but I think this this DPS lineup, again, no one is arguing with this really. Um just tremendous hero pools. I think this covers almost every hero that we can have in the DPS lineup. And I think this is maybe the coaches looking to prepare for whatever meta we could be seeing at BlizzCon. There's a lot of room still to alter the patch, to nerf certain heroes, and to bring back certain heroes into light. Um, KSF has like an amazing May, but a better Hanzo. 
Um, so usually he would play the Hanzo and Agilities would play the Mei for that. KSF has some projectile. He can play the Farah, but he's also really well suited to do the double sniper option with Corey. And Corey was obviously a must have for sniper play. He's being considered as the best Widowmaker, best sniper in the league. So that was uh, the most obvious choice. Um, and Sinatra has a lot of funny picks, of course, very wide hero pool, but also has a Doomfist and other heroes. So again, lots of lots of versatility with these three guys. And I don't think there was um, much argument when it came to that, except maybe no Dante from the uh, Houston Outlaws, I think the team is. And again, maybe the team not performing, whatever happened in tryouts was not working. But I think everyone is still really happy with the three that they went with. Yeah, I'm actually curious. Do you know for a fact whether they could have done three support or three tanks, or was it mandated to be three DPS? Because that is something that it had to be seven. So whatever they wanted, yeah. and I think interesting makes sense to go with DPS. I think as you're right. Your third, yeah, just yeah. in terms of uh, flexibility, viability. There's just more damage dealing characters than there are, mm -hmm. you know, viable tanks or supports in yeah. this meta. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, basically just keeping your options open with those three players makes sense to me. And yeah, I'm just kind of scrolling through the Twitter replies to the initial announcement. Dante is essentially the only one really getting brought up, but then people are right there to answer to it that, you know, each of the players that were selected uh, are just as good, if not, you know, more proven or anything like that. So mm -hmm. I think you're right that the um, DPS selections are pretty, pretty widely accepted. Dante fans, maybe next year, but... Um, you know, it, it could happen. Sinatra could fall off. He's actually the one people are suggesting Dante maybe should have come in instead of uh, Sinatra. So they're they're yeah. They have like the same him. hero pools, but again, like you said, like one is more proven than the other. And I wonder how much the coaches really took into consideration the regular season results and maybe how they've scrimmed against them before tryouts happen. But we don't know what happened in tryouts and what they kind of brought to the table and how they meshed in the different strategies that they implied. So kind of wish we saw that, but Dante, not going to happen. Yeah, well, we always just want to see more good Overwatch and pitting our, our buddies against each other basically is, is going to be highly entertaining <laughs> no matter what the context. So I agree. Get those uh, scrims and trials up so we can watch. It's a brand new football season. Antonio Brown is on the Raiders, Le'Veon Bell is with the Jets, and Odell Beckham is in Cleveland. The one thing that hasn't changed, where I'm putting my money down on all the games. MyBookie is the place to bet on football every weekend. Our Blue Wire podcasters are using MyBookie.com slash BlueWire to sign up this year. You can also use MyBookie to bet on this week's Overwatch League matchups. MyBookie has better bonuses and more prop bets than any other sportsbook, period. This year, they're hosting the first online handicapping super contest. First place is guaranteed to win at least $100,000, and it only costs $100 to enter. All you gotta do is pick five NFL games against the spread every week to climb the leaderboard and score your share of the huge cash prize pool. MyBookie has live in-game betting on every NFL game. They've got the most rewarding player perks in the business, and for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE when creating your account to claim the bonus. Bet, win, get paid. Uh, okay, so now we'll move topics uh, into basically more criticism of these uh, selections. One player in specific is Dogman from the Atlanta Reign. Uh, he did actually 
basically bring it up kind of himself that uh, he was not super thrilled with the World Cup USA selection. So I'm just going to read a quote. This is actually a quote from Dogman after one of the matches last week. He says, I mean, I wish the game was a little cleaner so the trash talk could be smoother, but for the most part, I think it's just because we have FRD, Baby Bay, Gator, and Hawk on our academy team. These are all players eligible for Team USA, and three didn't even make it past the first round of trials. So I think the competency of Team USA's head coach and the coaching staff wasn't very good this year. And he is specifically referencing Arrow, uh, who is the coach of the Dallas Fuel uh, for those selections. And then when asked about it again, Dogman uh, just said two sentences this time. I think Arrow's a nice guy. I just think he's incompetent, both in his roster <laughs> selection with Team USA and with his coaching of the Dallas Fuel this year. So uh, Dogman attracting a lot of, um, well, fans and anti-fans, I guess I would say. A lot of people were saying Dogman was right in reply to the Moth and Ruckus announcement, uh, basically that um, Arrow made a bad decision with Ruckus instead of Sleepy or uh, a lot of people just hating on Dogman because, you know, they were saying Dogman isn't capable of making the team himself and yada, yada, yada. So uh, which which side of the coin, I guess, do you fall on? Is it is it more Arrow could have been better? Dogman needs to talk more or less? I don't I don't really know. <laughs> what. How do you feel about the whole situation? Uh, I think... Just for the scope of trash talk overall, like, I do agree. I think it, there was one person who, was it Jake? I want to say it was Jake From that the said there, there's a line. Yeah, there there's a line between, you know, trash talk about the game, emotions running high, and then there's a line of just borderline disrespecting someone's career. And it's starting when you're calling someone incompetent. It doesn't seem very fun and friendly. <laughs> and I feel like it's starting to step into kind of personal, like, you know, if you would just straight up call someone ugly or just make fun of their appearance, like that's just kind of like you don't bring up someone's appearance or career into it. I feel like if you're going to keep trash talk, keep it about the game. And to call him incompetent, like the guy has an outstanding resume and he got chosen for this role for a reason. And you know, results from last year or whatever. And I think it's a hard decision what Arrow had to make. And I think it was a decision that someone was going to be unhappy about. I still think the strong majority um, of community and players alike agree with the roster. And there is even some back talk towards Dogman saying, like, why were you upset about you not getting a tryout when you said you performed or didn't have a great tryout yourself? So... I, I still think Dogman is like one of those necessary people in a, in an esport that mm -hmm. kind of the one that kind of keeps things not stale within the community. <laughs> so instead of us complaining about meta or something about the game, then we have people just kind of arguing. It kind of makes things a little bit entertaining. So as long as you don't overstep, like incompetent is just on the line of being like now you're kind of hurting someone's feelings like on a deeper level. But I'm totally cool with trash talk as long as it doesn't overstep and. Like I said, incompetent, right on that line. Yeah, that's uh, it's it is very important. The vocabulary that he used is the word incompetent, and <laughs> that's like, man, if I'm, I'm trying to think any role <laughs> that you could have where incompetent is not just a huge slam. Uh, <laughs> if you're incompetent, yeah. that means you don't know what you're doing. You're detriment, you know, you're hurting your team, etc. And um, you're basically putting blame on a single person where this is clearly like processed by committee. There are other coaches, you know, he even mentions there is other staff. Uh, I don't know that arrow gets 
maybe he does get final veto on selections or, or he's like the face you know yeah. you gotta always blame him he, over he got elected else. in I he mean, always gets the blame right and he's he's a person that people can identify which you don't just say ass- assistant coach number three decided you know was the tiebreaker vote <laughs> uh between moth and sleepy or whatever it was but um Dogman, I guess if I were just talking to him one on one, I would be like, "This is just not necessary." Like, you can say <laughs> you can say something more to the lines of building people up rather than tearing down. And I think he started to get there when he mentioned his, you know, teammates, Baby Bay Gator, etc. Uh, he's like, "Well, they're super worthy, and you know, they didn't get their fair fair share or whatever it was." Uh, rather than going the tear down route of Arrow is incompetent, etc., because <laughs> that just doesn't help anybody. It doesn't make the people who you know, didn't advance feel any better. It doesn't help the people who did get selected feel any better. Mm-hmm. So uh, as far as trash talk versus professionalism, uh, Monte Cristo, of course, is always kind of devil's advocate for more spice, uh, more disruption. And he, of course, says that he's totally fine with some trash talk. And as long as people can move on from it, it's really, you know, it's not a huge thing. If it becomes like a deep-seated, every other tweet is now about Arrow versus Dogman, obviously that's going to be less <laughs> desirable. And Dogman is, you know, still pretty new to Overwatch League. You don't want something in your first season to, like, stay with you forever. I don't think this is so bad that that's going to happen. Um, but mm-hmm. people now know that Dogman is a, a squeaky wheel. So um, they're going to be <laughs> looking for his opinions and trying to goad him into saying, things probably from now on and is that something that you really want to bind to yourself i don't think so jake is actually doing the opposite where he's like now now guys we're all cool here just you know (laughs) let's all be friends and that's just a better sort of reputation sort of thing to to keep with you and I think he kind of maybe there's certain people I think that enjoy being the villain. They kind of like thrive off of that negative rivalry energy all the time. Mm-hmm. And you always see Dogman when he's playing on the stage. He's kind of like, you know, getting up and waving his hands around or you hear him yelling something. And I think that's a guy that tells me that lives off of the hype and likes to get in his opponent's heads. But that only only works when you're performing well and when your team is on top and, you know, if you were a team like the Fuel or any other team that, you know, when they trash talk, then that doesn't kind of translate as well sure. or as cool as it was. So, I mean, he's probably feeling, you know, maybe a little bit newer-ish to the league and now he's like getting all hype about it. But I can see like some players not wanting to have that kind of trash talk and then burn bridges with said player or said players that want to trash talk so if there can be a consensus that this is just him being blah about the game everyone get over it then it's fine but maybe some players are going to take it personally burn bridges and then you're actually going to have people hate each other which for the fans maybe that's really (laughs) cool and entertaining for us but maybe for the mental health of the players having to deal with drama on top of their work schedule not so great for them right and this is still a very closed environment it's a small space that you're privileged to be in and you're not going to get away from it if if it does uh end up following you so just dog man just keep it in check man it's cool (laughs) we like you we just it's cool we don't want you we don't want anything bad to happen if you if if things get worse or anything like that so i think Mm -hmm. that's that's kind of where i stand on it uh personally just going back to starcraft two days we had a similar situation where, you know, there wasn't the Overwatch League giving suspensions and bans and things like that for bad behavior. But in StarCraft 2, it was very, like, respect-driven because you had a bunch of Korean pros who had been playing for a decade now playing against, like, the trash-talkiest, 
biggest North American scum lords on ladder, uh, and now them meeting in person for the first time. So I have a story like Naniwa uh, was a Swedish Protoss player who beat Nesti. Nesti had been playing Brood War for like eight years and was like a GSL champion three times over. Naniwa beat him in a best of three and then called him an idiot. <laughs> so Ooh, that like sparked. What a word. It was insane though. It was like, that was like the biggest bomb he could have dropped in a post game interview. He's like, I think Naniwa, or I think Nesti was being kind of an idiot. And everyone was just like, <gasps> what did he just say? And then that, that it's actually pretty tame too. <laughs> carried, it carried with him from 2010, uh, you know, through the rest of his career. Naniwa is a trash talker and has no respect for Korean players and yada, yada, yada. And then players like went out of their way to try to face him and make him feel bad. And it, oh my it God. went on forever because he called Nesty an idiot after beating him. So, uh, yeah, just, you know, be careful with that stuff. If, if you can't, <laughs> if you can't do it all the time, it might not be good to do it ever. But um, I, mm -hmm. I enjoy it because I'm not the one affected by it. I just get to. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. If someone was roasting me, I'd be like, no, please don't call me an right. idiot. I'm not feelings. incompetent. Look, at, <laughs> I have, not incompetent. I have a good resume. Um, yeah. So drama is always great when it doesn't involve you, of course. and that's just it. Yeah, because the popcorn. And people are going to want to defend their favorite <laughs> players, so it's not like people are reacting this way because they like said player or Arrow or whoever, and you know you're going to have a negative reaction from trash talk all the time. No one's going to. I don't think there are a lot of people are going to be like fight, fight, fight. <laughs> it's always going to be like, wow, why would you be like that? Unless they're so. both really strong, we want to see the really strong people fight oh. all the time. And this kind of goes back to maybe where Dogman is sitting right now is not. You know, he's not making the World Cup roster. Uh, he is on a playoff team, which is fantastic. But that's cool. Um, you say things like people in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. Maybe that's another part of it. It's like, yeah, <laughs> watch what you say to who, et cetera. But all right. I think we've labored on uh, this topic enough now. I think, mm -hmm. you know, we've kind of got an idea. Trash talk is fun, but can be harmful to reputations and careers. And as a career minded person with everyone's best interests at heart, I think just keep it in check. Just keep it fun. Build others up rather than tearing people down. I think it's going to be the safest way to go for everybody. All right. So now cool. uh, results and uh, looking forward to actual Overwatch games instead of the World Cup, which has still got some time to go. We do have the play-in tournament for the Overwatch League 2019 playoffs finally decided. Uh, we've got Guangzhou Charge versus the Chengdu Hunters as the first play-in match on Friday. Uh, followed by Philadelphia Fusion versus the Dragons. In my opinion, I think Charge is going to just run away past the Hunters. The Hunters, <laughs> unfortunately, actually, the Hunters are kind of lucky just to even be in the hunt still, uh, so to speak. Yeah. But I think the Charge yeah, has been looking good. Yeah, because Valiant lost their two games. Yeah. Unlucky. Unfortunate Valiant had two chances <laughs> and couldn't manage to scrape one. Um, what do you think about Charge and Hunters? The winner of them will be facing the Spitfire the next day. Yeah, I think uh, everyone can agree that the charge should and will be able to take this over the Hunters. Um, Happy from the charge is still one of the best Widows in the league. And besides having a crazy Widow, uh, charge are one of the few teams that I think have figured out the whole May Reaper strat. Uh, Narrow, pretty decent Farah to fall back on too. They have Eileen that can sub in and play some Sombra if they need to. And we've seen them kind of run some Sombra Genji in week three. So we know that they're pretty diverse in their strategy book. Um, but as the weeks advance, I think Charger the t um, are a team that realize how strong May Reaper is and they'll go in that direction. Um, but Hunters, on the other hand, are kind of still trying to get away from the meta. Like, Amang is still forcing uh, Hammond into complete counters. Like, we saw that against Houston in their last match. Mm -hmm. 
and Bacon Jack and Yang Xiaolong. I hope I'm saying that right. Close <laughs> enough. Set up all the time. Close enough. You guys know I'm talking about. Uh, they both can widow, but I'm not sure that'll even stand up to someone like Happy from the charge. Then you have Jinmu, who's a good Genji, but he kind of gets canceled all the time in this hog meta. So we, I hope Jinmu is not going to be pulling more Genji, but he has a Farab, which can be useful. But I don't see uh, Happy letting that work. So if there's a strength in the Hunters, I think it might be around their Sombra play. Um, but against like a May Reaper hog situation, how close can the Sombra really get? So... I think it's all going to be charged unless hunters come up with like they've just really adapted to the meta in the few days that they have left to study this right. and they just completely flip things around from what they did previously. Yeah, hunters also did not play this past weekend at all. Um so they're actually coming off of a bye week into their most important match of the entire season. So uh that could be a bit rough for them. Guangzhou Charge have been very steady. Uh, recently, I'm just going to look at their stage four. Yeah, the charge in stage four went six and one. Uh, the hunters went four and three in their matches. So charge just looking a bit stronger on paper. Uh, next up, though, Philadelphia Fusion versus the Shanghai Dragons. These are teams that I actually really enjoy watching both of these teams. And last year, <laughs> uh, the Fusion surprised everybody when it came to playoff time by beating Dynasty, who they would have to face if they get past the Dragons. The Dragons this year, though, have shown their new flair for actually getting into playoffs and, and doing things there. And I kind of picked them the last couple of weeks to to beat teams, including Dynasty, and they kind of fell flat. So Fusion, I think uh, I would look for Fusion to be uh, getting past the Dragons, but then against Soul Dynasty. That's kind of a question mark between Fusion and Dynasty for me. I think I have Dynasty moving on. How about you? Uh... Let me pull up this thing. Yeah, for so for Shanghai versus Philly in that other match, um, I think Shanghai had a really good stage three playoffs. You know, they really were able to hone in on their three DPS. You know, Doomfist, Fire, Double Sniper, you name it. And um, but I think Ding and the the tank line are still getting used to uh, playing to this kind of different style of the meta with two two two, and especially around a May and against a May. Um, they played Arisa Hog before, but this is like a whole different way of playing it. When you have a May that can block a lot of your things, your winning condition is set around the May and whatever DPS you tend to play with. Um, and they won't be able to really hone in on a far, which is what they were really good at last stage. So not being able to play far, at least it just doesn't have as much value when there's so many shields and then there might be a Hanzo or not. Um, it's really all about May Reaper right now. And, Philly have always been a strong team, but I think the stage has been a little bit less friendly to them than others. Uh, more because just mirror matches, well, mirror matches haven't been favoring them. Uh, May Reaper, May Hanzo has, hasn't always been their strongest showing, and the halt hook setups still need to be perfected. But I still think individually, like Carpe is now getting more challenged for the title of Best Widow. True. And. Uh, and especially in an Orisa hog setup, it's really hard for snipers to get as much value in this meta compared to the other metas. That's why Carpe popped off in all these other metas and maybe now not so much. He really has to change his positioning and also adapt to how the team is set up behind a shield. So I'm going to give this match to Philly because I think they just have a stronger grasp of the meta mm -hmm. with the May Reaper or the May Hanzo, their ability to counter the Farah and other things. And Shanghai, I think, might have a chance because I find their tank lag is still pretty strong. Uh, but they could, could pull out some non-meta comps to maybe get around Philly, but we'll have to see how the match goes. 
Yeah, and I'm again just referencing their most recent stage here, but Philadelphia Fusion and Soul Dynasty both went three and four, underwhelming for both squads in this last stage, but Shanghai Dragons actually only won one match. I didn't even realize it was that drastic. Shanghai Dragons coming into the playoffs with a one and six stage four record. That's got a... Yeah, they have they have a large hill to climb in front of them. Dream Overwatch in the chat saying Sigma meta is going to shake things up real hard. You're absolutely oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, we could touch on Sigma just a little bit uh, and just kind of close the show on that. Sigma uh, recently obviously introduced to the game uh, for all to play. We've seen a bunch of gripes and a bunch of uh, people just playing him only. I've actually seen some crazy Twitch clips of people just making use of the floating Sigma shield to protect widows in weird spots <laughs> and things like that. Um, yeah, Sigma definitely could shake things up. What's your thought on the new tank being added? Yeah, there's all the pros are saying right now that Sigma is going to be 100% pick rate and he needs to be changed in some way, whether it's the cooldowns or just the shield health in general. A lot of people, including myself, think Sigma is going to be 100%. Now, who's going to be accompanying Sigma? Is it going to be kind of like a Zarya setup where you have like a kind of like a death ball with the Zarya? Are they going to go for double shield with uh, an Orisa, which that's kind of the flavor of the month right now? It's yet to be decided, but yes, I, I definitely think Sigma is going to have a huge impact, and who's going to be picking that up is going to be important. Right. I'm curious, like, which of the Overwatch League tanks are actually practicing him more so than other tanks, <laughs> or are or are they banking on the fact that he's going to catch a nerf? It's really kind of a double-edged sword. You don't want to waste time on a character that you think is going to get nerfed hard, but got a pick and these games are coming up friday and saturday uh for the play in that's again charge versus hunters on friday fusion versus dragons on saturday they will move on uh charge or hunters will face the spitfire and uh soul dynasty on the other side of the bracket what do you think about spitfire and dynasty uh basically getting to play one less match they get to watch their opponents uh actually play on friday so um spitfire and dynasty might actually just both benefit from being able to sit back and watch on friday and they're just really good squads i think uh spitfire their most recent stretch was still only four and three in the final stage so it still looks very even out there across all the teams uh it's hard to say if charge are the ones that move on I don't know. I'm still thinking Charge are looking really good. I know they're only ninth seed, but Spitfire just haven't impressed me a whole ton. They kind of have these hot streaks and then they co these cold streaks. And then Dynasty, I don't really watch a whole lot of them, but I think they could still hold on to their spot against Philly that would come in. But again, it's who really has the better grasp of the May Reaper, which I, I kind of gave it to Philly because of that. So... I think on a hot streak, if Philly win that match, I think they'll have a lot of momentum to keep it going. Yeah, I'm actually just trying to find Dynasty's most recent results, but they actually just had... Dynasty did 4-0 charge, but they're on opposite ends of the bracket. Yeah. Uh, Spitfire got 4-0'd by New York Excelsior. Um another you know full korean squad mm -hmm. there so that's yeah that's really anyone's game this actually could be maybe the most exciting <laughs> match just because i okay. really don't know who's gonna win charge and spitfire is is getting very interesting now as we uh discuss it more but i think that is gonna be it for uh our play in tournament discussion is there anything else jen that you would like to maybe brush on or bring up before we close the show for this week 
Uh, just the the holiday homestands I got announced. Please, everyone, go to your local homestand and support your Overwatch League teams. And especially if you're looking for which one is the most hyped, Dallas. Uh, I personally went there and it was amazing. Ooh. And a lot of people are hyping up the Paris homestand. So if you're looking to maybe make a trip, check out the 2020 schedule, pick one, and just get to experience Overwatch League in person because there's not just the games, there's also things to do and people to meet there. So I hope everyone in chat or whoever's listening gets to go at least to one homestand this year. Yeah, that's a great point. So she's referencing the 2020 season schedule that's uh, just been released, so you guys can check all that out. But um, we have, yeah, basically homestands every weekend starting next season. So that's cool that you got to go to one of the Dallas ones. I actually have not been able to get to mm -hmm. any of them uh, just yet, and I'm sure... You need a Vegas one. Yeah. That's, that's what we need. <laughs> ideally, <laughs> ideally, they would just pop over to Vegas uh, just for a weekend, but I'm seeing a lot in China, obviously. Seoul, Houston is actually getting a bunch of them. Um, so Houston might actually be a cool one to attend. Washington, D.C. gets to host a weekend, so lots of viable places for our North American listeners, as well as uh, a lot of Chinese stops, actually. If we have any Chinese listeners, you're going to get to see a lot of live Overwatch League next season, but that is going to wrap up the show for us. Don't forget that we are live here on twitch.tv slash prediction esports. That's prediction with two E's uh, once a week, and the podcast will be on Apple Podcasts uh, shortly following each broadcast. So check us out, prediction, P-R-E-E-D-I-C-T-I-O-N. Thank you very much, everybody who came and watched this week. Thanks to everybody listening on Apple Podcasts. Any final words before we say goodbye? Nope. Thank you guys all so much for watching. And Josh is amazing. And we'll see you guys uh, next week. Yep. Thank you, Jen, for the amazing topics and discussion. Once again, we'll be back next week. Thanks again, everybody. Have a good week and win some Overwatch games for us. See ya. Bye.